The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Did you know that relaxation is all in your mind? That's right. By applying various techniques of mindfulness, you can practice relaxation anywhere and anytime, whether it's at home, work, or at play. Welcome to Come Back to Your Senses Radio with host Leah Brenda Smith. Our program is all about recovering your common sense. Now, here's health and wellness specialist Leah Brenda Smith. Hello, I am Leah Brenda Smith, your host, and welcome to Come Back to Your Senses Radio broadcast here on Voice America Variety and simultaneously at Project Freedom Radio Network. Welcome today. If you're looking for me on the net, you can find me at leahbrendasmith.com, on Facebook at the radio page, Come Back to Your Senses Radio, or leahbrendasmith.com. And today we're going to talk about shining a light Shining a light on being an introvert. You may not realize this, but at least one out of every four people prefers to avoid the spotlight, tends to listen more than they speak, feels alone in a large group, and requires lots of private time to restore their energy. These folks are introverts, and they're not necessarily shy or aloof, or antisocial. But people with a more introverted personality are just hired, hardwired from birth to focus inward. Their threshold for social stimulation and interaction is much lower than their extroverted counterparts. You know, to live a happy life, it's essential for an introverted person to let go of the belief that something's wrong with them, simply because they prefer to be alone or attend quieter gatherings. And focusing on inner strengths can help. Many introverts, generally speaking, are highly creative, practical, focused, thoughtful, imaginative, tend to work independently, and to think outside of the box. During the show today, I'm going to mention some resources and some different authors that can help people to understand introversion and help you to determine where you fall on that introvert-extrovert continuum, as it's often referred to. Introversion versus extroversion is one of the central dimensions of personality. An introvert's a person who draws energy from time spent alone. 
they tend to prefer the inner world of the mind and often find social situations draining. This is true even if they have good social skills. You know, after being with people for any length of time, such as at a party, they need time alone to recharge. They tend to be introspective and enjoy thinking and exploring thoughts and feelings. Don't misunderstand, introverts love a good conversation, but they tend to prefer to talk about concepts and ideas over any kind of comfort with social chit-chat. Different from what many people think, an introvert is not simply a person who is shy or anxious. In fact, being shy or socially anxious has little to do with being an introvert. Shyness and social anxiety can have elements of hesitation and nervousness and uneasiness. And although there are certainly shy and socially anxious introverts, Introversion itself is not the same as shyness and social anxiety. Basically, an introvert is a person who is energized by being alone, which can explain the inherent tendency to decline invitations to social gatherings and a preference for socializing one-on-one, or at least with very small groups of people. When introverts want to be alone, it's not in and of itself a sign of depression. It's more likely an indication that they either need to regain their energy from being around people, or they simply want time to be with their own thoughts and inner experience. Being with people, even people they like and are comfortable with, can preclude an introvert from the needed time for quiet introspection. You know, it took me it took me quite some time to piece all of this together and realize for myself that no, I didn't have social anxiety and no, I didn't have a social phobia. I wasn't afraid of people. It wasn't that I was agoraphobic. And no, I wasn't lacking social skills. But yes, I am an introvert. And what a tremendous relief a tremendous relief for me to understand that and to appreciate this aspect of my nature. Now, when I started to look at things from that perspective, I found it was much easier to just relax and follow my own natural rhythms of socializing. And and truly, many folks have commented to me that they would consider that the amount of socializing I do is considerably well below the norm. I'm just that kind of girl that's quite content to be at home alone for days without socializing or even to talking to anyone. I don't even have a pet that I carry on a little dialogue with or have that type of exchange. Just content with my own company. And this perspective helps me to welcome the occasions to socialize, you know, when it's time to mix and mingle with other people because of social engagements. 
Many times other people have been surprised, thinking that it's not possible for me to be an introvert. They see that I'm outgoing and animated, energetic, outspoken, interactive as a teacher, a leader. I can work well on projects with others, and I can strike up a conversation with just about anyone. I am sociable. I just don't tend to socialize. I don't seek out interaction, and I'm quite content to be alone. Like many introverts, I lack social ambition and have very low social motivation. But I notice as I mature, I've settled even more into my own inherent personality. Now, while I was preparing to do the show for this week, I was quite surprised actually in reviewing times from my life when I was younger and different scenarios or tendencies or situations. Because when I was younger, I didn't understand, I didn't know about introverts. I didn't understand what it really was. And there was a lot of confusion. So it's quite a relief to uh, to understand the nature is just different. And... The University of Iowa study adds to the growing evidence that being shy or outgoing may be all in your head. The investigators looking at the cerebral blood flow and personality found more conclusive signs of different brain activity in introverts than there are in extroverts. So a different brain function, different brain activity. And this is the first study to reveal a connection between activity of the thalamus and introversion and extroversion. And this is a report from Deborah L. Johnson, PhD, the University of Iowa, Assistant Research Scientist in Psychology. She's also the person that's leading the study. She said, we found more evidence that people might be shy or outgoing because of the way their brains are structured, not because of experiences that they've had. And this research findings, these were published in the February issue of the American Journal of Psychiatry. So I was one of those folks that thought that the introversion or the what I was experiencing had more to do with the experiences that I had when I was younger and then came to realize that, no, in fact, that's not the case. So previous studies have shown that introversion and extroversion are based on variations in brain function. But those studies did not describe all the locations that were found in the study. The University of Iowa researchers, they examined 18 healthy individuals and using positron emission tomography, more commonly referred to as a PET scan, which can provide a high-resolution image of the entire head. So the PET scans revealed that introverts have more activity in their frontal lobes of the brain an anterior or front thalamus 
Now, these areas are activated when a person's brain takes on internal processing, like activities when we're trying to remember things or we're problem solving or even in the planning stages of things. And extroverts exhibit more activity in the anterior, in the singular gyrus, the temporal lobes, and the posterior thalamus. These areas are more typically thought to be involved in sensory processing, such as listening, watching, and even driving. So the differences in the cognitive style and the sensory processing relate to qualities associated with introversion and extroversion. True introverts are quiet, inwardly focused, and tend to be more reclusive. And extroverts are gregarious, socially active, and sensation-seeking. Introverts get more of their stimulation internally. And Extroverts seek their stimulation from outside sources. And Johnson said that extremely introverted and extremely extroverted personalities are two ends of a continuum, with most people falling somewhere in between. And Johnson added that the implication is that one personality trait, introversion, or extroversion isn't right or wrong. The variations in the brain activity suggest that a lot of our individual differences have an underlying biological cause. Now, the subjects of the study consisted of 10 men and 8 women who first took personality tests to determine the extent to which they were introverts or extroverts. And the researchers later had the subjects lie down with their eyes closed while the PET scan measured their brain activity. Now, lying quiet allows the mind to be free and do what it naturally does. So Johnson explained that when a part of the brain becomes active, there is increased blood flow to that region, and that's what shows up on the PET scan. And that's how they determined what parts of the brain were activated in the introverts and the extroverts. And then they came to the conclusion that there is, in fact, a biological cause and that introversion and extroversion are not based on lifestyle choice, but are truly a part of nature. Now, lifestyle choices enter into the equation from this perspective. They, they become, they really come into the picture when an introvert chooses activities that match their sensory processing needs. And likewise, extroverts make the lifestyle choices that match their needs for external stimulation. Carol Bainbridge is a psychologist who works with gifted children. And she gives a great description about the difference between being shy and being an introvert. 
And this may be very helpful for parents of children that appear to have difficulty making friends and spend a lot of time alone in their room. Bainbridge says, being shy and being introverted is not the same thing, although they may look the same. An introvert enjoys time alone and gets emotionally drained after spending a lot of time with others. A shy person doesn't necessarily want to be alone, but is afraid to interact with others. So that's the distinction that she's making. And she gives an example about two children in the same classroom, one introverted and one shy. And the scenario is that the teacher's organizing an activity for all the children in the room. The introverted child wants to remain at her desk and read a book because she finds being with all the other children stressful. The shy child wants to join the other children, but remains at her desk because she's afraid to join them. Now, children can be helped to overcome their shyness, but introversion is as much a part of a person as is their hair color or their eye color. People can get therapy for shyness, but not for introversion. Not all introverts are shy. In fact, some have excellent social skills. However, after engaging in social activities... An introvert will be emotionally drained and needs time to recharge their emotional batteries. So therapy can help the shy person, but trying to turn an introvert into an outgoing extrovert can cause stress and lead to problems with self-esteem. Introverts can learn coping strategies to help them deal with social situations but they will always be introverts. And again, we're all on that continuum somewhere. But if you think that your child might be an introvert, you could look at some of the traits of introversion and see. See how many of them your child has. You know, you may be worrying because your child has, a few, has very few friends or is quiet or is not outgoing. Or you may find that you're always encouraging your child to make new friends or to talk to other kids and spend less time alone. It's natural for parents to be concerned about their children, especially when they don't seem to be following what most consider the norms for socializing with peers. However, if your child is an introvert, you may be worrying unnecessarily. So here's a little list of some general characteristics of introverts. And if we listen objectively, it may help to determine how many of them apply to your child or may have applied to you as a child. It's simple. The more that apply, the more likely it is that your child or you are an introvert. So ideas under social interactions would be that 
Your child has only a few close friends. Does more listening than talking. Talks to family members, but not to strangers. And with respect to social preferences, it would be that your child likes solitary activities like reading or activities with only a few people. Or perhaps they like to spend time in their own room with the door closed. Or they watch a game or activity before joining in with others. And they probably have a tendency to like more creative or imaginative play. And then in the area of emotions, you may notice that your child may get crabby after spending a lot of time around other people. Or maybe they don't share their feelings easily. Or they become deeply humiliated after making a mistake in public. Well, this is just a short list and just a few ideas, but it can give you a sense of whether or not your child is likely to be an introvert or whether, whether there may be something else that's preventing your child from joining up with others more easily and more frequently. And then there's just a few tips here for dealing with introverted children. As an example, it's good to explain introverted qualities to your child so they can understand. And be mindful to not correct your introverted child in front of others. Let them, let them watch before entering an activity rather than encouraging them to jump in. And encourage them to take breaks to recharge. And then realize that they need time to think before responding to your questions. And in the book, The Hidden Gifts of the Introverted Child, Helping Your Child Thrive in an Extroverted World, there's some suggestions that are put forward about how you can verbally reflect upon your introverted child's future career strengths. As an example, things like saying to your child, I like the way you think before you answer a question. Or it's great the way you notice small changes in the house. I understand what you're saying. It wasn't what she said that you didn't like. It was her tone of voice that bothered you. Or, I notice when you are rested, you enjoy talking about your day. And finally, that's a good idea. You really thought about that problem, didn't you? These are just some ideas of ways that you can support your introverted children, or perhaps ways that you'd like to be supported. It's estimated that about 25% of the population consists of introverts who get their energy from having time alone. 
and generally it's thought that careers promoting introvert strength include scientists, writers, and artists. Although there are some television personalities like David Letterman and Barbara Walters who are self-proclaimed introverts. But generally speaking, introverts enjoy spending time alone or in small groups of people. And they may get overwhelmed in new situations or in large groups of people. Some introverts prefer to focus on one task at a time and observe the situation before jumping in. So the other 75% of the population are extroverts. They're seen more as the social butterflies, that they thrive with social stimulation. And extroverts focus on their external environment, the people and activities around them. And extroverts tend to thrive in active, fast-paced jobs, such as politics, teaching, and sales, where quick decisions are commonplace. Extroverts learn by doing and enjoy talking through ideas and problems. Multitasking comes easily to them. And there's, here's two examples of extroverts that are in the public eye currently, Oprah Winfrey and uh, the current U.S. President, Barack Obama. So it's helpful to remember that the brains of introverts and extroverts are wired differently. You know, the front part of an introvert's brain is most active and stimulated by solitary activities. Well, the back part of an extrovert's brain is most active. And this part of the brain is stimulated by sensory events coming from the external world. And the chemical dopamine is released by our brains whenever we experience something positive. It's like our automatic reward center that makes us feel good. You know, that's often referred to as the feel-good hormones like the dopamine and the serotonin. But extroverts need more dopamine to feel an effect, whereas introverts have a low dopamine threshold. So as a result, Introverts don't require a lot of stimulation to feel rewarded. So here we see that ongoing need for extroverts to rev up their system through social interaction or stimulation from extreme sports or generally being on the go and living life in a fast-paced way. Whereas introverts don't require that level of stimulation and are much happier with quieter activities and more time for introspection. Miranda Bauer is a regular writer for The Blue Zone, and she shares some insights on the subject. You know, she suggests that issues might arise when an introvert and an extrovert interact. An introvert may view an extrovert as bossy and overbearing, whereas an extrovert might view an introvert as stuck up or shy. But both personality types can be shy. 
So which personality type has the real advantage, the extrovert or the introvert? You know, experience shows that teaming up is really a good approach, an extrovert and an introvert teaming up, that they can make for a very powerful team. And one example is Steve Jobs, who was a very charismatic extrovert, and he teamed up with the introvert Steve Wozniak to co-found the Apple Inc. company. And just a reminder again, because shyness is often associated, people think that shyness and introversion go together. But that shyness is the feeling of ang- un- the uneasiness or that anxiety that's experienced in social situations. But introverts, they just prefer less social stimulation. And shy people often crave social interaction, but they avoid it because of a fear of being criticized or of rejection. It's not that they uh, don't want to interact. Just to be clear about that. No, there also appear to be cultural factors that affect the happiness level of extroverts and introverts. Many Western cultures tend to favor extroverted personalities. You know, people who act quickly, appear friendly, and are outgoing. And introverts often feel pressured to be extroverts, which can lead to anxiety or lowered self-esteem. But it's interesting to note that a majority of the Eastern cultures tend to encourage people who are more contemplative, quiet, and appear serene. And introverts in these cultures don't feel the stigma to be extroverted, which, generally speaking, makes them more accepting of their own inherent personality. And research supports the common keys. The common keys to happiness lie in having a sense of purpose, in self-acceptance, and having a supportive social network all of which both personality types are more than capable of forming. As many introverts socialize easily, they just strongly prefer not to. Yet the self-styled introvert can be more empathetic and interpersonally connected than his or her outgoing counterparts. Nancy... Ankowitz is involved with uh, self-promotion for introverts. And she offers career advancement tips, quips, and insights for the quieter crowd. She suggests five things that every introvert should know about extroverts and vice versa. So here's a scenario that she outlines. You know, you arrive in a conference room and it's bustling with your colleagues and your bosses. The meeting begins and everyone else is piping up and vying for attention in the spirited discussion. And there you are, sitting there contemplating what you might add to the dialogue. 
Now, likely your best thoughts gel only after the meeting is over. Research may suggest that your silence might cost you in your career. But if you're an introvert, your preference really to think before you speak can actually be an advantage. Because it means that when you do speak, you're more likely to have something really to say and something to contribute to whatever's going on. Even though you might find it challenging to speak up before you're ready to do so. So Nancy suggests that you rest up. She says, rest up. Rest up and get ready beforehand. In that way, you'll be able to show up at the meeting refreshed and with several key points already formulated. So a little bit of extra prep time can help you. And here are some tips to help the introverts and the extroverts work well together. You can apply these tips one-on-one to your one-on-one interactions or even in a group meeting setting as well. So the first list is about introverts working with extroverts. So the introverts need to recognize that extroverts need to interact and think out loud. Appreciate that extroverts need small talk. If you want, you can even prepare a few light conversation topics so that you can join in that light small talk or chit-chat that the extroverts appreciate. You could try getting on the agenda for some meetings or even offering to chair the meetings. And you can anticipate the brainstorming brainstorming part of the meeting and do some thinking in advance so you already have some ideas ready. And then when it's time, jump in and interject when necessary using a strong and confident voice. Well, those are just a few suggestions for introverts working with extroverts. And then some suggestions the other way around, extroverts working with introverts. She suggests that you recognize that introverts need time for reflection before they state their views. And she encourages the extroverts to get their social fix ahead of time so they're ready to focus on the task at hand. Schedule meetings ahead so that you don't just drop in on the introverts. And don't interrupt. If you tend to do so, (laughs) she's suggesting which I'm sure people have heard before, that idea of counting to three in your head before you speak up. And then understanding that introverts tend to, they tend to tackle one task at a time, so don't expect them to be the multitaskers that you are, or at least to enjoy the multitasking the way that the extroverts do. So if you're looking for more tips and insights about introverts and extroverts working together harmoniously, you could check out Nancy's book, Self-Promotion for Introverts.
Well, another author, Sophia Debling, she wrote the book The Introvert's Way, Living a Quiet Life in a Noisy World. And she concurs that a lot of people have the wrong idea about introversion and confuse it with shyness. And one of the neuroscientists described, they said that shyness is behavior, acting fearful in social situations. But introversion is motivation, low drive to participate in social situations. So while shy people might want to socialize but find it intimidating, introverts have the skills but can take or leave the socializing. You can overcome shyness if you want, but introversion seems to be hardwired and it doesn't need to be overcome. It's just fine exactly as it is. You can be shy and introverted, but you can also be not shy and introverted. It's the same with extroversion. Shy extroverts have a hard time of it. And introversion, extroversion, like other traits, exist on that continuum. You can be very introverted or very extroverted, or just a little introverted or just a little extroverted. You know, Carl Jung, an introvert himself, defined introversion in terms of energy. Extroverts are energized by time with people. Introverts are drained by it and crave copious time alone. And while his theory lacks empirical backing, such as what is this energy or how do we measure it, introverts know what it means. And no doubt science will continue to come up with opportunities to shed more light on these ideas. You know, the PET scans is a good example of that. Now, some of the people who are confused about introversion don't realize that they themselves are introverts, which was certainly my case for the longest time. And generally, people don't see it. They don't see that after a weekend of socializing, introverts may require several days of quiet solitude to recover. Many introverts acknowledge that we can behave as extroverts when we choose and sometimes feel more introverted than at other times and enjoy that freedom of moving along the continuum at a pace that matches the energy of the day. And at times, introverts have been faulted for being too intense, which can be challenging for the extroverts who don't tend to put as much into their interactions but also don't expect as much out of them. Marty Olson Laney, a psychologist, she wrote an excellent book called The Introvert Advantage, How to Thrive in an Extroverted World. And she had some suggestions to help introverts recharge their energy and take care of their unique temperament in different areas of their lives. So these tips will be especially helpful for the introverts who are on the far end of the continuum and who really feel challenged to mix and mingle or feel challenged to speak up. 
So recharging, she says, take short rests before you're tired. Schedule time outs on your daily calendar, including nature every day in your life, sitting in the yard or going for a walk or looking out at the trees can be helpful. And then create downtime so you can store your energy before a big event. And really important, you remind yourself that it's okay to be introverted. In work situations, she says, since you may not speak up in meetings, you might like to write memos to your co-workers or your boss afterwards with your comments and suggestions from the meeting. Just let your boss know when it's appropriate that you need time to think before you can discuss your thoughts about things. Say thank you when someone gives you a compliment. You can include yourself in the meeting by coming in early to help set up or to clean up afterwards and just that extra little time of mingling with people. And just even little things like saying hello to people, smiling and saying thank you to the presenters at the end of the meetings. So these are little ways to just help you mix and mingle better if you're inclined to be more on the extreme of the introverted side of things. And then with relationships. She suggests that you can leave notes for those that you care about. Or talk about the differences based on your temperaments. You can discuss how to clear up conflicts. You can rely on your capacity to enjoy private time in your relationships, that one-on-one closeness. And you can plan ahead for time to spend as a couple or to spend time with friends. Generally speaking, it's thought that introverts don't tend to do a lot of planning with their schedule. They're happy to just, you know, you say, what are you doing for the weekend? And they'll say invariably, oh, I have no plans. Whereas if you ask ask the extrovert, they will give you a list of their social itinerary. Obviously, a lot of this is generalizations, but there are lots of people that that actually fit the generalizations that we make about things. And then under socializing, the suggestion is to choose which events you want to attend and know that it's okay to decline invitations. Remind yourself that you may feel overstimulated at social gatherings and that that's okay. And when you need to stay on the sidelines and observe before you enter festivations, then do so. You can decide ahead of time when you'll arrive and when you'll leave. And then you can always stay longer if you feel up to it. For some folks, it might even be helpful to wear an interesting piece of jewelry or for guys, an interesting tie as a conversation piece. You know, my personal process of coming to recognize that I was an introvert, it really helped me a lot. You know, generally speaking, I feel more relaxed I'm more settled in social situations. 
and I'm clearer that my presence is the best that I have to offer. Just being present is a great contribution in any social situation. I don't force myself to interact just because I think that I should or because there's some kind of unspoken social rule that says that you should interact and socialize with others. I try to socialize only when it truly matches my energy. Now, at family gatherings, I really relish making the rounds. I go in and I greet everyone. I've come from a very large family. It's great at the family gatherings. There's lots of people. Lots of loved ones. And I love going around and greeting everyone in an open, loving way. And then again, before I leave, I really like that ritual of going around and hugging everyone goodbye. And I've often returned from a family gathering or other types of social gatherings without having had much of a conversation with anybody and still had a really pleasant time, just enjoying being there with everyone. And occasionally on my way around the room, I would fall into a great exchange with someone or a small group of people and end up then being one of the last to leave the party. And those times are unexpected and certainly precious when you feel engaged. So like true introverts, I have very low motivation for social chit-chat, even amongst people I know very well. I used to spend a lot of time in the kitchen cleaning up or in the other room hanging out with the children. I just generally found these activities a much better match for me than the pleasantries that people exchange in social situations. Now, I'm quite content to be in a room full of people and be by myself. I used to think that I was a bit of a social snob, but then I realized that that wasn't true, that I'm just an introvert, and social interaction is just not high on my list of needs. You know, often enough, it's just enough to be in the social setting enjoying people without needing to interact. Now, no doubt over the years I've missed out on great encounters with others and even the other introverts that are tucked away in their own little corner of the room at gatherings that I've attended. But the truth is, is that I thrive with one-on-one interaction. That's my best preference. I have a lot of friends. And most of the friends that I have are introverts. And I have a lot of friends that are really people that have very few friends. But I found that being open-hearted has really given me the opportunity to connect with so many people from all over the world. And when I make a connection with somebody, it leaves a real lasting impression. Even though many of these people I never see again. Somehow they're always part of my inner world. And from time to time, impressions of people that I've encountered rise to the surface. And it's during those times with great fondness in the moment that I enjoy having a visit with them in my own inner reality. 
I'm going to just share with you, you may be surprised to learn about some folks that are more in the public eye that that are famous introverts. And some of the actresses like uh, Ingrid Bergman and Glenn Close, Audrey Hepburn, Helen Hunt, Diane Keaton, Grace Kelly, Jessica Lange, Gwyneth Paltrow, Michelle Pfeiffer, Julia Roberts, Meg Ryan, and Meryl Streep. And then a few actors like Clint Eastwood, Harrison Ford, Tom Hanks, Sir Alfred Hitchcock, Jack Lemmon, and Steve Martin. And then a few of our writers and artists like Emily Dickinson, Gary Larson, Monet, Norman Rockwell, Will Rogers, Charles Schultz, Neil Simon, James Thurber, and Mark Twain. And a few of our television hosts like Johnny Carson and David Letterman. Diane Sawyer and Barbara Walters. And then Albert Einstein and Thomas Edison. And as I mentioned earlier as well, Carl Jung himself, the famous fellow for making those descriptions of the introvert and the extrovert. He himself was indeed an introvert. So as I mentioned, it's really helped me to identify that I'm an introvert and I feel much more content. I can be with a group of people and interact or not interact. It really doesn't matter. It's okay either way. I can be quiet in a group of people or I can be animated and effervescent. And just like everyone else, I naturally open up more easily with folks that I have a natural affinity for and take a little longer to warm up to folks that I have less in common with. And it's always easy to connect with other introverts and share deep, quiet conversations. So here's a few strategies that I have come up with that have helped me for example, if I, you know, when I go to conferences or I tend to hang out in my room uh, between sessions or in the evenings as a way of being able to recharge so that then I'm refreshed and able to go and participate in the activities of the actual conference itself. I do the same thing. I take time alone also if I'm going to visit friends or visit family, have some times where I can just be on my own. Again, to replenish. I will tend to step back and let the introverts work it out. When I kind of feel that pack mentality showing up, I often say I'm not, I don't have good pack mentality. You know, when a group of people are trying to make a decision for simple things like where to go to eat and all the little bantering that can go back and forth about trying to figure that out. I tend to sit back and let that happen and then join in when they've decided. I take time to schedule downtime between social activities. 
and even sitting on my own for a meal can give me that needed break from interacting. Or even going to a movie by myself, it's also a great way to recharge. And it's been interesting this week to reflect on introversion and extroversion and looking at some of the different relationships I have in my life and some of the family relationships and experiences growing up and recognizing also the differences with my son because clearly I'm the introvert and he's the extrovert. And it makes a difference to look at things that way. For me, it's made a great difference. And for maybe some of you, it will make a difference also in terms of helping you to understand yourself a little better and understand your loved ones a little better. And in that way, also being able to support each other a little better in a way that matches more what's true in your preferences and your needs. Because as I said, there's been a great relief in being relaxed for me with the whole process and understanding that I'm an introvert. And I understand that there's gifts of being an introvert and there's gifts of being an extrovert. And it can be really rewarding to create a life that matches whatever your personality preferences are, whatever the preferences are of your personality type. You know, I've been able to create a life that matches my introverted personality. And then this also allows me to be more comfortable to be extroverted when I need to be or when I want to be. And then also gives me that opportunity to continually discover and implement ways to balance my energy reserves, which is an important important skill to have. So really the bottom line is that one is not better than the other. And that introversion and extroversion, although there are some people that are on the extreme ends of either end of the continuum, most folks are somewhere more in the middle or maybe just do the pendulum back and forth along the continuum. And that always the most important thing is for us to grow in our love and appreciation for ourselves, who we are, what works for you individually is what is the most important thing. It's not easier to be an introvert, and it's not easier to be an extrovert. It's just easier for an extrovert to be an extrovert and an introvert to be an introvert. So I hope that you've been able to glean some insight into some of the tips and the suggestions and the ideas that we shared today about what it is to be an introvert and how that can help you in your situations at home, work, and play, and even with uh, some of your children to identify are they introverted or are they extroverted and then support them in whatever is true for them and even see the differences amongst your children if you have more than one. As always, I am your ever-grateful host, Leah Brenda-Smith, and I thank you for tuning in to Come Back to Your Senses Radio. And until next time, I encourage you to relax and enjoy life. We 
hope you've enjoyed our program today and perhaps have found some new techniques that you can apply to your daily life. Thank you for tuning in to Come Back to Your Senses Radio. Please join Leah Brenda Smith again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.